Coming up on Podcast 1538, Porsche updates the software of every Taycan they've sold so far to increase efficiency and make them better. Stick around and I'll tell you what I know. Also on the podcast today, Tesla had their Q2 earnings call overnight my time whilst I had my sleepy head on the pillow. And I'll, um, this isn't a financial podcast, so I don't care about the numbers so much. As long as they're doing well, it means the others have to make EVs. It pushes the industry forward. But what I find interesting is the product stuff and how many particularly EVs they might make this year. Stick around for that. Elon Musk is optimistic. We look at the EV sales in Netherlands and France and a bit of battery news as well. Those stories and a lot more coming up on EV News Daily today. Good morning, good afternoon or good evening. Wherever you're listening around the world, uh, welcome to the show. Your trusted source of EV information here for Thursday, 21st of July. My name is Martin Lee, and I've been through every EV story in the past 24 hours, and this is what I think you need to know. This is saving you time. Hopefully, uh, in just 20 minutes, all of your EV news. We'll start with the change at the top of Volkswagen of America. The CEO is switching positions to run Scout. That's going to be their off-road EV brand. Uh, VW stirred up some hype back in May when they announced the Scout name is being revived. Uh, Most people pretty excited about that. It's too early to say that excitement is warranted, uh, but they're actually moving one of their top people. The CEO of Volkswagen in America, Scott Keogh, is moving over to head of the Scout brand. Meanwhile, he's being replaced by uh, Volkswagen's South American executive chairman. Uh, He takes over the Scout's branding, uh, which they got the rights to when they absorbed the Navistar business. They had the Scout brand brand within the company already no problems with the trademark and using it and that's what the old boss of vw america is tasked with doing seems like a bit of a demotion to me as he was running the whole company now he's got to launch a truck but either way um hey wish him all the best and that could be especially if it's an affordable mid-sized truck that would could be mega mega in the usa for vw now let's talk tesla uh, growing their revenue but margins declining automotive margins were 27.9 percent down from 33% last quarter, but that's still really good for the automotive industry. Revenues, well, automotive revenue, $14.6 billion. If you're wondering how big Tesla's business is in the last three months, $14.6 billion from cars, $1.47 billion from services, $866 million from energy. And Elon Musk on the earnings call overnight, my time, uh, as I've woken up and listened back to that, saying that Tesla's Berlin factory surpassed 1,000 cars a week in June. And he expects the Austin factory to exceed that number in the next few months of a thousand a week. Overall, uh, their cash position increased by 847 million. And you might be wondering, hang on a minute, wasn't China closed for a long time? And yes, you'd be absolutely right. But uh, part of the reason they've got a bit more cash in the bank is because they sold their crypto. Remember when Elon Musk renamed their CFO King of Coin? Well, he's not so much anymore because they've sold it, uh, no longer holding as much Bitcoin as they were. They've still got some, by the way, uh, but announcing that they're out of putting so much money into Bitcoin. They purchased $1.5 billion worth in early 2021. Elon Musk saying uh, last night, I quote, the reason we sold our Bitcoin holdings was that we were certain We were uncertain as to when the COVID lockdowns in China would alleviate, so it was important to maximise our cash position. This should not be taken as a verdict on Bitcoin, end quote. Which is odd, isn't it? I don't know. Well, this isn't a financial podcast. So how can a company uh, with almost 20 billion in cash and cash equivalents need a fraction 
of that, like 5% of that by selling. So he's saying, we still believe in crypto. He's saying, we, you know, we do like Bitcoin, but we sold it for liquidity because we were worried. But they've got almost 20 billion in the bank or cash equivalents. So why do they sell their Bitcoin? For liquidity is what he was saying. He said, oh, no, we still like Bitcoin. We just needed the money. Well, you didn't need the money. So anyway, like I say, not an accountant. Don't understand it. They've got a ton of money in the bank. So they didn't need to sell their Bitcoin for liquidity. That smells a little bit to me. Um, however, uh, they did say that the products which are coming on their roadmap. I know I give them stick for this. The Cybertruck announced in 2019. The Semi-Truck announced in twenty in 2017. The Roadster in November 2017. And the Humanoid Robot are all going to be coming. Yes, I'm sure they are, Tesla. Yes, I'm sure they are. Uh, in a response to an investor's question, he said that the Cybertruck, he is hoping that could be out next summer so that means it's at least two years away then uh well hey good luck to anyone working on the cyber truck i don't expect to see that anytime soon link to bloomberg in the show notes cnbc points out uh, that in their earnings report the numbers were impressive turning in a profit when many people thought they wouldn't turn in a profit that's 11 quarters in a row and once again they beat expectations uh, tesla say and i quote in, a, in their shareholder letter in q2 we achieved record production rates across the company however we saw a continuation of manufacturing challenges related to shutdowns global supply chain disruptions labor shortages and logistics complications uh, which limited our ability to consistently run our factories at full capacity isn't that interesting? So uh, they also talked a little bit about their batteries and where they're going to be making those. Elon Musk saying that while the larger battery cells that Tesla's been trying to make itself won't be an important factor this year, they have enough of the old 2170 cells to make the cars out of Berlin and Texas. And again, no one seems ready to challenge Elon Musk. The media give him a really hard time. And actually, investors give Elon Musk a really hard time because... Berlin was meant to be built with the 4680 cells and a cell production facility, latest, greatest, blah, 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 blah. They're using the existing technology. Texas was meant to be built with 4680s, latest technology, la, la, everyone gets excited and frothy, and they're building them out of 2170. So, yeah, they'll make their own cells when they get around to it, won't they? And they're able to do that. So, good luck to them uh, as they do that but they are using uh, what is tried and true uh, right now to get those cars on the road and many people would say that's no bad thing as long as the vehicles are produced elon is optimistic that supply chain hell is ending it used to be called production hell but now it's supply chain hell the really impressive thing for me in these is the production numbers that got shared in the investor letter that comes out just before they have the call and looking at the increases now fremont California, they've added 50,000 capacity, about a 10% increase from last year to this year. So last year, they had a capacity. So in other words, if all the plates are spinning well and everything is perfect and all the shifts are operating, it's got a capacity of half a million Model 3s and Model Ys a year. This year, it's now 550, so 10% increase there. But look at this. They've been upgrading the Shanghai Gigafactory so much. Last year, had a 450,000 capacity of 3s and Ys. This year, 750,000 capacity of Model 3s, Model Ys. The Berlin and Texas gigafactories by the end of the year will have an installed annual capacity of 250,000 each, which is just huge. 
total revenue rose 42% from a year ago to 16.9 billion in total regulatory credits 344 million uh, down from 679 million in the first quarter and in trying to not crash the crypto markets but also justify why they sold their bitcoin uh, he called digital currencies a sideshow to a sideshow which again must make their CFO feel good. He was renamed Master of Coin, and they now have almost no coin. That's fun. Hey, uh, the margins are narrowing, but the business still looks pretty good. And that's great. Look, the reason I talk about this, I don't care about Tesla, up, down, whatever. I don't know how to hold any uh, shares in them. Um, uh, and I avoid all the infighting on Twitter. It's because as Tesla does well, it does a couple of things. It embarrasses the other car makers into why they're not doing as well. And you can argue, yeah, Tesla cut corners or the quality's bad or they use consumer grade chips or whatever. Whatever you want to argue, but still it pushes us towards zero emissions. Whether you like or don't like Elon Musk, whatever. It the company doing well is good because it pushes it proves you can make money from electric vehicles and it pushes everyone forward. That's why I like Tesla doing well. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about new car sales in the Netherlands. Oh, the Dutch love their EVs. 24% of new cars now electric in the Netherlands. And again, against a backdrop of the auto market absolutely tanking in pretty much every market around the world. Uh, in the Dutch market, EVs continue to grow. Uh, plug-in market, 34%. All-electric, 24%. So look, a third 34%. A third of all new cars sold last month had a plug socket on the side of them. Brilliant. Love you, Netherlands. Well done. Year-to-date market share of plug-ins, 31%. Pure Bev's 19%. Three Stellantis models in the top four. Uh, the Peugeot E208, Citroën EC4, and the E208 from Peugeot. Also in the top 20, the Corsa EV, the Opel Corsa, the Citroën E-Space Tourer, which is the big people carrier. Uh, the Fiat 500e and Stellantis having a really good time of it in this article on Clean Technica, written by Jose Pontes, completing the June podium. The Skoda Eniac was third, and also the Model Y was down in fifth. Should we go down a bit from the Netherlands to France? Go on then. Now a much bigger car market here, so this is interesting. And plug-in vehicles continue to rise in France against a backdrop of a declining car market. Honestly, this article, these stories, they write themselves these days, don't they? The car market's down, but guess what? EVs are up in France as well. Last month's plug-in vehicle registrations, much bigger in terms of raw numbers. 33,851 units. Uh, 13% share of the overall market is pure BEV, uh, which again is awesome. It's over 10%. 13% of all new vehicles sold were pure Battery electric. It's amazing to think some people, some people out there still don't think EVs are happening. Oh, bless them. 7% share was plug-in hybrids. And actually, plug-in hybrids are uh, in a decline in both the Netherlands and the French markets as well. So have we reached a peak PHEV? You have to wonder. Or is it a supply issue? Well, I don't know. Um, the uh, point of this year's sales in France is it's already above the entirety of 2021 uh, and clean technica reckon that at this pace uh, diesels may well be gone in two to three years france was one of those countries france italy if you go back 15 years turn of the, actually the millennium as well go back around 2000, 2005 the love of diesel both from governments and, and consumers was mega so 
France, Italy, UK, some of those had diesel shares of new cars being sold of 60, 65, 70% plus. All new cars sold were diesel. Now, in France, it's absolutely tanking. Petrol was 38%, diesel was 17%. And if you look at the graph, the way it's going, there'll be no more diesel left in what was the home of diesel uh, in these kind of car markets in Europe in two to three years, which is huge. Right, coming up on the podcast very soon. Uh, We'll talk about a new Porsche coming soon, and we'll talk about battery swapping for trucks, yeah, on the podcast soon. Now let's talk about our headline story, and that'll be Porsche making all of their Taycons better for everybody who bought one. Worldwide, more than 75,000 examples of the Taycons have been sold since they first introduced them in 2019. Now a comprehensive software update is being released to all of them to make the cars even better. It is market-specific in terms of the rollout speed. Depending on when your vehicle was delivered, you'll get an increase in powertrain efficiency, improvements in the Porsche communications, the Connect, the assistance systems, and also... uh, the ability to unlock functions over the air, which I'm less keen about, but I've told you about this many times before. New functions added and others revised. The precise scope of the update uh, is dependent on when you got your Porsche Taycan. The 22-kilowatt onboard charger is now a retrofit upgrade. If you didn't have that when you bought it, so you can get 22-kilowatt AC charging. In Europe and North America, uh, when you have that upgrade done, they'll also activate plug and charge. Uh, so you can just pull up to a plug and charge charger and it'll just start charging the Tesla experience and it bills you sometime later. Uh, in terms of the powertrain, it, when you're in a normal or a range driving mode, it will completely disconnect the front motor. And it wasn't completely disconnected before, but this software update now completely de-energizes it, which means it coasts and... Um, the vehicle is more efficient, so that it'll go further. More range added to the car just through software. Less losses from drag and more range. And in terms of thermal management, better conditioning of the battery at low outside temperatures enables the Taycan to be rapidly charged more frequently and from a wider range of states of charge. The waste heat from any of the electrical components is used more than it was before to recirculate and to heat up the battery itself to be ready for DC fast charging. For the 2020 and 21 model year Taycons, uh, this again enables greater range and shorter charging times. Um, I'll pop a link to the Porsche PR newsroom where I found this press release, uh, and that's great news for those owners. Porsche, by the way, also confirming as they continue to prepare for their upcoming IPO. I think that's still on. Uh, CEO of Porsche confirming yesterday uh, that they will launch a new flagship SUV. It will be a step up from the Macan even from the Cayenne, in terms of the lineup, and they will base it on the Mission R concept, which they unveiled last year. So 900-volt architecture, 80% charge, well, 5 to 80, which is quite a rare one, but 5% to 80% in 15 minutes, if you can find a charger quick enough. Uh, that concept had two electric motors and a 429-horsepower front motor. It was a 640-odd rear motor. Again, it was a Mission R concept, but this new Porsche SUV being based on that platform. Now, the concept had an 80-kilowatt-hour battery. I think the road-going car will have a bigger one. Porsche wants 80% of their global sales to be pure electric by the end of the decade, and I can see how they're going to get there with vehicles like the Taycan doing well. The Macan is going to blow that out of the water because it's just a more popular 
crossover SUV type shape. It's what everyone seems to want to buy these days. When that comes out next year, or maybe it'll be a little delayed because of the VW software oopsie that they're having. But either way, hopefully McCann EV sometime in 2023 will be a big seller. Now, let's talk about solid state batteries again because I did yesterday on the podcast. Uh, the Push EVs blog written by Pedro Lima is always fantastic to read, to learn about EVs and batteries, which I need to do. And the Chinese maker S-Volt is now testing their solid-state battery cells uh, to give EVs 1,000 kilometres of range on a single charge. They have an energy density up to 400 watt-hours per kilogram. They've su- surpassed all of their safety tests, like the uh, they call it the pinprick test, but it's more like the bullet test, or the, you know, when you put a nail through the battery. It doesn't have thermal runaway. Very safe. Uh, they've tested up to 200 degrees Celsius. Wow. Um, and the technology uh, delivered. Uh, Pedro, in his blog, Push EVs, says that solid state has advantages like safety and energy density, but the technology isn't perfected yet. Uh, it's why solid state batteries charge a little bit slower, have poor cycle life, and operate at higher temperatures at the minute. But they're being constantly improved, and it's already possible to have about 3,000 life cycles down to 80% of a original capacity uh, at 4.8 volts and that's getting better all of the time now in china the drive to go net zero means that all types of vehicles must be zero emissions that includes trucks as well and the fossil fuel giant sinopec is moving forward with their truck swapping stations Another one updated and unveiled yesterday going into operation in the sichuan province in southwest china The truck battery swap stations replace batteries for trucks within three minutes. They do 168 services a day, and they are placing them at the Sinopec fueling stations. So for the truck drivers, no change of habit. So you would pull into that filling station for diesel. Now you're driving an electric truck. You pull into the same filling station, and the battery gets swapped. doesn't come from underneath, actually. The truck ones, they're swapping them from on top and each battery will take a big truck about 140 kilometers the kind of tractors the delivery trucks etc and they say that it makes sense to do truck swapping because the drivers can pull in for three minutes and then leave again with a full tank which is much much quicker than filling a tank full of diesel for instance and waiting a long time for that to pump and so far they've built a hundred of these truck battery swap stations according to the company now Renault, next in the news, opening the order books for their E-Tech Kangoo. Uh, that is their zero-emissions small van. And uh, the also the Master E-Tech, that's their larger panel van. Both vehicles do qualify for the plug-in grant from the government. The Kangoo E-Tech is the second generation, and so they've now got 300 kilometres of range on that, up from 265. That's about 190 miles. The battery... It's still 45 kilowatt hours, so they've made efficiencies elsewhere. A bigger motor has gone into that. The E-Kangoo starts at £26,500. Uh, the plug-in van grant is two and a half grand at the minute. The Renault Master E-Tech, which is the bigger panel van, doesn't have such impressive numbers behind it. 52 kilowatt hour battery has been increased from the old 33 because the old battery was woefully small. But it still does only go 126 miles But it is a big van. Depends what you want to do with it, I guess. If you're doing Amazon deliveries, you need a fraction of that, I'm guessing. And the prices start from 45000 Now, the iPhone assembler 
Foxconn in Taiwan saying yesterday they're partnering with NXP. If you know your semiconductors or your chips, that name is very famous. And they want to build more than 10 automotive products. And that includes using chips from their own businesses to make automotive platforms. They want to be in up to 10% of the world's EVs by 2027, which is a massive target. But if anyone can, you'd think Foxconn probably can. And finally, the World Economic Forum asked the question, is there enough lithium in their world to make all the batteries we need for EVs? Well, the answer is yes for now and maybe no. Let me tell you why. As you probably know, long-term listeners of the show, or maybe you're new, lithium is a key component to all EV batteries, but global supplies are under strain, and the world could face a shortage by 2025, according to the International Energy Agency. About 2 billion vehicles need to be moved to EV over the next 20 years or so. At the minute, sales last year, global EV sales in 2021, 6.6 million. So, you know, the numbers are far apart. But future developments of batteries are being relied upon in order to solve the problem that we've got with this lithium shortage. Now, the global EV sales were 9% of the market last year. Again, lower for some countries like the US, higher for others, see Norway, where they're all EVs. Now, a lithium-ion battery for an EV has, on average, and I know this is it's hard to pin it down, but on average, about 8 kilograms of lithium. Those are figures presented by the u.s department of energy now global lithium production was about 100,000 tons or 90.7 million kilograms last year while the worldwide reserves are 200 billion kilograms so okay we needed 91 million last year well that was global lithium production last year 91 million how much of it's in the ground 20 billion kilograms. So you'd think, well, we've got plenty, right? Yes, but grade is king. And also, the level at which EV sales need to rise to means that we're okay for now, but we'll run short. And that's, that's because of the ability to get it out of the ground. Only a handful of companies can even produce high-quality, high-purity lithium the IEA says, while several planned expansion projects are in the pipeline, there's a question mark over how they'll come online, how quickly they'll come online, and where they are in the world as well in terms of geopolitically and the tensions between nations. And I've talked about this so much on the podcast in the past. Hey, if you're a long-term listener of the last 1,500 episodes, firstly, I'm so sorry you've had to listen to that much me. However, if you're new to the podcast, I'll give you the brief rant nothing is happening as quick as it needs to. Gigafactories to build cells before we can even make an EV, to make a, a battery that gets made into a... Uh, well, it starts with a cell. They're three to five years to build one of those factories. Say three to six years if you're looking for funding. Now, some can do it a little bit quicker, but largely they're mostly in China or Europe, not in America at the minute. So, say three to five years. But you can't build a cell without the raw materials. Now, once you get them out of the ground, you have to refine them. All of those refining facilities, of which we need a lot more, again, between, say, three and five years to bring one of those facilities online, and we need lots of them. But the mining is on a whole different level of timescale. I mean, if you look at... Uh, an average lithium mine look at the ones that opened between 2010 and 2019 they took an on average of the lithium mines that have opened in the last 10 years in the planning stages and getting them online 16 and a half years to develop them <laughs> you know what it's just not happening quick enough so i'm sorry to say and i've said this a million times in the past 
you know, if you want an EV, you're just going to have to buy one. If you're waiting for prices to come down or half because you think supply is going to go through the roof, it's really, really not. I mean, EVs are going to be supply constrained, not this week or next month or next year. I think for a really long time. And hey, if you own an EV, that's great. Used values are high because there's fewer newer ones coming in. But it's not great news because we want everything to be in a high volume and cheap as well. Uh, Lithium extraction also requires high amounts of water. And the problem is that can lead to water stress because much of the lithium is in parts of the world and regions where water resources aren't enough to meet the needs of humans, let alone companies that want to refine lithium. So there's lots of work to be done there and to avoid making drought-prone regions even worse. Like if you take the, you know, a mine, say a, a mine in Bolivia, uh, there's one in the San Cristobal mine, uh, reportedly uses 50,000 litres of water a day for lithium mining and refining. So that's just depleting the water supplies uh, that we need. Goodness me, this is not meant to be a minerals and refining podcast. I'll shut up now. Thank you for listening. Uh, question of the week is back very soon. Taking a break for now. Uh, email your emails, anything you want to say to me, uh, feedback, questions, your opinions, I'd love to hear them. Hello at evnewsdaily.com. Thanks to our Patreon supporters and our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Brad Crosby, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii. Derek Riley and his brilliant YouTube channel called EV Review Ireland. Make sure you subscribe. Richard at rsev.co.uk. Check out his website if you want to buy or sell EVs in the UK. Octopus Electric Juice have got you back in terms of public charging. One card, one map, one app. That's it. Job done. And milbrookcottages.co.uk. Five-star luxury cottages in Devon where you can charge your car while you enjoy a break. And that is EV News Daily. Have a good one. See you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.